began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were standing in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in the wilderness, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Philia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and non-Jews, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask them, What does this mean? Some are in front of them and said, had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, please do fill us with your Holy Spirit and our continued experience in this gathering today be a, a mini Pentecost a time when you come and draw near to us and fill us up and empower us and open our eyes to who you are and what you want us to do in Jesus name amen so today is Pentecost Sunday that's the day in the Christian calendar where the church celebrates how the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people as is evidenced in this text uh, before the day of Pentecost in Scripture, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to all people. Uh, it was given to specific people for specific purposes, uh, like Samson, one of the figures in the Old Testament. He's one of the judges. The Spirit of God filled him, and he had this great strength to be a warrior. Um, he was so strong in the strength of the Spirit that he took a donkey's jawbone and wiped out an entire army. It's in the Bible. Um, the Holy Spirit filled David, one of, the, one of the kings of Israel, probably the best known king of Israel. And one of the, the ceremonies of inauguration of the kings was anointing with oil, which is, was a symbol that the king was filled with the Holy Spirit, with strength to do the task of leading the people of Israel, which is why when David sinned in Psalm 51 and he's repenting, God, take my sins away from me. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me because God, had, he believed God had given the Holy Spirit to be the king. Holy Spirit also filled prophets like Isaiah, 
who said, the spirit of the Lord has filled me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. And so the, the role of prophets, they receive the Holy Spirit so that they can make known God's will and desires to people. They speak the truth about God, even when it's uncomfortable. And so a lot of prophets get killed. So Jesus is in the same line of prophets when he's baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. You kind of see the culmination of, of king and priest and prophet all coming together when Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. The point being that before this great Pentecost day, the Holy Spirit's role was to come on specific people with specific purpose. And I wonder if we don't operate sometimes, if we're not still stuck in this pre-Pentecost kind of mentality a lot of the time. With the idea that the power of God's Spirit is for a select group of people and not for everybody. It's not that those of us who follow Jesus wouldn't believe that, oh yeah, everybody's filled with the Holy Spirit. But practically speaking... Practically speaking, when it comes down to God's spirit working through me and working through us to accomplish his purposes for God's mission, do we sometimes get caught in this pre-Pentecost kind of thinking? Pre-Pentecost thinking created the clergy-laity divide in Christian history. So the clergy are the ordained leaders. They do the work. They lead the church. And the laity, well, they're the rest of the folks. They're the people. They basically watch and receive the ministry of the clergy. A form of this today in the contemporary American church is celebrity culture, where you have a very small number of ridiculously talented people who have amazing speaking abilities and can draw crowds from far and wide, and they lead churches of thousands of people. And and somewhere in there, uh, there's a temptation to just assume that the people who are really ordained, the people who are really anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, spirit is this select group of people that can speak really well. And so and so it can build a culture where we feel like, man, we got to get them to speak so our friends can hear it. And let's get them to conferences all over the nation so other people can hear. It. And let's have them write books so my friends can read those books. And, and certainly this is a caricature. There are a lot of big churches that don't succumb to this kind of celebrity temptation, but it's real. Nonetheless, it's pre-Pentecost kind of thinking. Have you ever noticed in some churches how the leadership team of the church is a pretty uh, homogeneous or all the same kind of group of people? For example, all males, all white, all wealthy and successful business people. Where are the women? Where are the poor? Where are other races? Is the thinking below the surface that the poor or a woman or another race couldn't, couldn't really lead the way that someone else could, that they're really not just cut out to make a significant contribution so that they can just end up kind of watching the work of, of a, a small group of people who are really bearing the load of ministry and the mission of God. If that's the case, that is pre-Pentecost kind of thinking. Kind of thinking that would relegate the work of the Holy Spirit to a select group of people. I wonder if extroversion and introversion are the new clergy and laity divide. Extroverts are people who get their energy from being around people and talking a lot. 
I will not let you guess which one I am. Introverts are people who get their energy from being alone. And the truth is that we live in a world of extroverts. Our culture is bent toward extroverting. Not that there aren't just as many introverts. There are. But the ones that are successful are sometimes successful because they fake being an extrovert. And so extroverts judge introverts for not being as comfortable around people. And introverts sometimes hide behind their introversion as a crutch for not engaging people more. And so this kind of thinking works its way into the church. Uh, the idea that, well, you could, you could, since the mission is really relational, and we're about like connecting to people relationally, then, then maybe introverts should probably just sit back and kind of let the extroverts go to work. Connecting to people, talking to the front. Um, to be clear, this kind of thinking is perpetuated by both introverts and extroverts. That's pre-Pentecost kind of thinking. The idea that one temperament is better suited or better used by God in the mission than another temperament. I remember having a conversation with a young professional woman in the first year we started Storyline. She was a part of our core team in the early days, and she said to me, you know, I see all these opportunities that you're giving us to serve and to lead and participate in ministry, like hosting guests or justice ministry or throwing parties. And a lot of the leadership roles are more administrative and coordinated, kind of oriented. And I'm not really sure I'm cut out for that. I wonder where I fit in all of that. And I'm not sure exactly what I said to her when she said that to me, but inside I thought something like, too darn bad. Because uh, that's what we got. And I guess if you're not cut out for that, I guess you could just watch. Saying that out loud, I mean, I'm way ruder inside sometimes than I ever am outside. Um, forgive me. Um, but in retrospect, I totally missed the fact that she was this talented actress. She was a talented playwright. Who knows the type of things she could have done in the arts. But I missed it because I was more concerned about plugging and playing leaders into spots that uh, would fit what we were doing within Storyline. I was operating out of pre-Pentecost kind of thinking. How else might we operate out of this pre-Pentecost mentality that God's Spirit only uses specific people for specific purposes. Am I, am I making the point clear enough that you could imagine how that illustrates itself? Chime in if you've got any thoughts. How, how does this pre-Pentecost idea crop its head? I think also spiritual needs is another question. I think that people need Sure. And all the evangelists get mad because everybody else isn't an evangelist. And it works the other way too, doesn't it? it uh, with both sides. But gifts is exactly right. Yeah. Spiritual gifts is a great example. Any other thoughts? I was hoping I would give every possible example 
you know, so that it would just be all exhausting. So. Yes. That's a great segue into looking at a few details in uh, Acts chapter 2 that I think are really significant. If we're, if we're going to be aware of this pre-Pentecost kind of thinking to, and to have some imagination for how to live out a different kind of mentality. So let's look at a few details of what's happening in this Acts 2 story. Um, first, the broader setting of this story in Acts 2 is that the focus here is on the people of Israel. Um, the Jewish community. There's a lot that we could say about them. The most salient point is that historically, Israel is an obscure nation. So they're small and often oppressed. They're not the superpower. They're the no power. They're the under power. In fact, in Acts 2, they're under Roman occupation. So um, they're, they're the armpit of the Mediterranean. And, and that's, that's when Pentecost, Pentecost happens in the armpit of the Mediterranean. Quote that. Put that on Twitter. Second, when the Holy Spirit descends in tongues of fire, he descends on everybody that was in that place. Chapter two, verse four says that everyone who was present in that place was filled with the Holy Spirit and able to speak a different language. So everybody in this place, this is not just the 12 apostles that are in this place when the Holy Spirit comes sweeping through in tongues of fire, like our pretty um, iconography would suggest. Uh, We have to assume that there are women, that there are children in this room. Everybody that's in this room comes under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the reason is not just so that they can speak, speak some fancy languages so that people will be impressed. The reason is so that they can preach the gospel to people who spoke different languages who were right around them. And so you have this whole motley crew group of people who begin to speak about the wonderful things that God has done while people are listening in their own language. So the idea being all of these different people are, are, are playing a significant part in the mission of God. The point isn't the tongues per se, it's that it's the mission of God. The tongues serve God's mission in Pentecost. The third detail is that when Peter gets up to explain what's going on with the whole speaking in different languages phenomenon, he draws on a text from the prophet Joel in verses 17 through 21. He talks about how in the last days the Spirit's poured out on all people. So it mentions men and women, young men and old men, even servants. The original text in Joel is an explicit reference to the poor, to the help. 
And so God is fulfilling this prophecy and pouring out his Holy Spirit on everybody, even the help, especially the help. Finally, Peter and this group of tongue speaking Jesus followers are addressing a very diverse crowd of people. So Jews from all over the world are visiting Jerusalem because of the Feast of Weeks, which would celebrate the giving of the law at Sinai. And verses 9 and 10 give a sample that Melinda read so well of all these people from all over the known world. And the message here is that the Spirit's outpouring is not limited geographically or ethnically. It's not just for Palestine. It's for the whole world. It's not just for Israelites. It's for the Parthians and the Midianites and the the Romans. It's for, for for everyone in the known world. And granted, the focus here is still very strongly on the Jewish community and not the non-Jewish folks. But it's very clear when we get later in Acts that that the Holy Spirit's meant to be poured out on everybody, Jews and non-Jews alike, to the whole world, everybody in the whole world. So take all of these details together. Take that Israel is obscure and a no-power, armpit kind of nation. Take that you have everybody, men and women, uh, young and old, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in different languages. Take Peter's reference to Joel about everyone being filled with the Holy Spirit. Take all of these people from all of these languages coming to celebrate Pentecost at that time. The collective impact of all of these details in the Pentecost story is that the good news is that the Holy Spirit is poured out so that everyone can make a significant contribution to the mission of God. He's poured out on the poor and the rich, on the young and the old, on women and men, on laity and clergy, on introvert and extrovert, on unlikely and likely, on superpower and no power, on Easterner and Westerner, on Southerner and Northerner, on Aggies and Longhorns, on the Crimson Tide and War Eagle. He's poured out on me. He's poured out on you. He is available to everybody. The missional community that I'm a part of has been serving in the Victory Meadow neighborhood for the last year. And just this morning, we hung out with several of our Iraqi friends at Jump Street and at uh, the Cedars Mediterranean Grill. And if you don't know about Victory Meadow, one very important detail is that it's probably the most diverse neighborhood in Dallas. Uh, international immigrants and refugees from all over the world make Vickery Meadow their landing pad through the, the IRC, through, through different organizations that, that place refugees in our country. And so there's this tremendous diversity there. Uh, most of the people that God has connected us to as we've been making friends and serving there have been Iraqi immigrants, Muslim Iraqi immigrants. Some of them have... Um, have been there, have been here in the States two years, some six months. We have some new friends um, who've been here 30 days or less. You know, they work with the U.S. military and things have gotten so rocky in Baghdad and so unsafe that they don't feel like they can live there anymore. And so they take their ticket to the United States and move here. 
So this, uh, this emerging group of friends started to express some interest as we all kind of hung out, you know, Rockhurst and whatever that's becoming, and these Vickery Meadows folks, and, and, and they expressed interest, let's do something more often together. And so for the past month, we've been having picnics at local parks around Vickery Meadow, White Rock Lake, just hanging out, just doing life. And um, our missional community will show up an hour early to pray, to have communion, to encourage each other, and then we get to go and practice. Like we worship, and then we go on mission. It's this wonderful rhythm together. At our picnic a couple weeks ago, we sat around the pavilion tables together, and at one point I said to my friends Suhaib and Assam, I said, isn't this cool? This is really amazing. That here we are, we're uh, Christians and Muslims and Jewish people. We even had the Jewish community represented at the table there. You know, three historically divided um, groups of people. And here we are hanging out, sharing life, being friends. And a psalm said, you know, yeah, that's, it's, it's quite the opposite of what the media would lead people to believe about how we can get along with each other. And I think he was right. You know, Chris Shem was there. Um, for all you Genius Heights folks, don't don't uh, be dismayed. He's still your first love. You know, he was just visiting us that day. And Chris had a conversation with another one of our friends, um, Hassan. And Hassan is a Muslim, and, and he's a he's an engineer. And he said, uh, yes, uh, uh, Muslims worship Allah, and Christians worship the Father, and um, Jewish uh, folks worship uh, Yahweh. So Yahweh and Allah and the Father, we all worship the same God. The same God is at the source of all of our prayers. And I, I couldn't help but to agree um, with Hassan as he, as he shared that, that, that all of us are under one God in this world and that God is over the entire world and all of our prayers are pointed toward this God. As I, as I think about this this, this uh, Occasion around this pavilion, around these picnic tables, I can't help but to think that there are the makings of another Pentecost there in this missional community. That you have people from all around the world who who come from different different backgrounds and tribes and and ways of being coming under God together. I can't help but to hope that God would pour out His Holy Spirit. On our friends someday in a new Pentecost, and that they could they could receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit as they repent and turn to God and put on Jesus in baptism. Difficult, yes. Unlikely, even yes. But not impossible, because the spirit of the first Pentecost lives within us and empowers us for the mission. Just as he did those first Christians on the temple grounds, speaking in difficult and unlikely languages. What would it look like? Think with me just for a moment. What would it look like for us to live out of post Pentecost thinking rather than pre Pentecost thinking? How would it change the way we look at ourselves? How would it change the way we look at other people?
Great. Yeah, less fear. If God pours out his spirit on all. Absolutely. That's post-Pentecost. I don't know. One more thought out there. As your pastor and your friend, let me encourage you, um, don't sell yourself short in the mission of God, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And as your pastor and friend, don't sell other people short in the mission of God, because the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. That is the great promise that this whole world is heading toward. And that's the promise that we live in today in Pentecost. So um, if this whole conversation about um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, if that's new to you, if it interests you, um, if you want to talk more about that, uh, come and talk to me. I'd love to talk more about what that means and how you can do that if that's something that new, that's new to you. Uh, let me pray and we'll... Uh, We'll respond to God. Uh, Father, thank you for for your word. Thank you for Pentecost. Thank you for the grace that you give us to draw near to us, to, um, to not be far away, but to live inside of us and to uh, to come into relationship with us in such an intimate way and to, to, to have the desire to want to use all of us um, in such significant ways in your mission in this world. God, thank you for the privilege to be able to partner with you in resurrection in this world. God, may you empower us. Uh, may you empower Storyline. Um, would you pour out your spirit afresh? On our community, would you fill us full with your Holy Spirit and do what you do best? Do the heavy lifting that we cannot do in this world so that your kingdom may come and your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus name. Amen.